Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Doesn't he know who she is? This man's no prophet, I tell you. Now he didn't say that out loud, he said that in his heart. If he were a prophet, he would know the heart of this woman. He would know that she is a sinner. I'm sure he's not a man of God. The scripture says he thought to himself. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be your hands and feet In Luke chapter 7 we read that a woman with a colorful past finds her way into the place where Jesus is dining. Because she is so grateful for what the Lord has done in her life she worships Jesus with deep passion and many tears. Instead of rejecting her like the pious religious leaders in attendance, the Lord accepts her act of love and then tells her that her faith has saved her. Pastor Ed teaches us that when we realize just how much Christ has forgiven us of our sins, we too will greatly love and worship God. Now here's Pastor Ed with part two of today's message entitled, Living in the Light of Amazing Grace. Pharisees and religious leaders are saying, wait, we attend synagogue. We're religious. We do good works. We're not involved in the red light district. Uh, uh, we do. And the tax collectors, the publicans, the harlots, recognize they need to be right with God. The great temptation of those in the church is to become secure in what they do and in standing on the solid rock Christ Jesus. Instead of standing on that rock Christ Jesus, they begin to stand slowly but surely on the basis of what we have done. I have to be honest with you. I identify with Simon. I find it easy to become secure in good works. There's something about our fallen nature that wants to prove itself to God. I'm worthy of your love, God. I can earn your love, God. That's where Simon is right now. Jesus spoke a parable about two men who went to church. One stayed in the back. He was a sinner. He just beat his chest. He didn't even want to lift his head. The other was a good man, a man that you would vote into office if he was running for politics. I mean, he had a clear good record. He was a Pharisee. And he stood in the front and he says, I thank you, God. I'm not like other men. I don't steal. I don't rob. I don't cheat. I tithe. And I'm not like that fellow back there. Jesus told that parable in Luke 18.9. It says this, 
to some who were confident in their own righteousness, who looked down on everybody else. Hear me? Hear me clearly. It's so important that we never lose a sense of God's amazing grace. That we're never at losing that sense of awe that God saved a wretch like me. For over 40 years, John Newton served God. But in his latter days, in his 80s, he could still look back and say, two things I remember. I'm a great sinner and I need a great Savior. Uh, That's good truth. All of us need to recognize that we're great sinners and we need a great Savior. Yes, the Word, the law, keeps us from maybe overt sin, but in all of us, there are heaven's heights and devil's depths. Then we have a reprobate sinner. She crashes the party. She hears that Jesus is going to be there and she's going to be there. Now, in those days, a, a dining party was not a private thing. It was more a public thing, especially when a well-known person was there. And so people would gather in the courtyard and around the walls just to listen into the conversation and just to observe the host and the guest and listen to what was happening. Now, can you imagine this woman? She was a lady of the night. She was a harlot. But somehow, somewhere, she heard Jesus speak. And the chains of a lifetime were loosed. She knew what it was like to struggle with sin. Maybe it was because she was abused as a child she fell into that sinful lifestyle. Maybe it was because her husband threw her out and she had no way to make a living. Maybe it was because just sinful passions and wrong church choices led her down a path and a cycle that she could not break but one day she heard Jesus speak and maybe he said come unto me all you that labor and heavy laden and those words broke the chains that bound her and now she hears that Jesus is in town at Simon's house. And I, and I could picture her looking through the closet trying to get the best possible dress. Wanted something modest. And then she looks for a treasured possession. An alabaster box filled with some very precious perfume. Her most prized possession. And, and she's determined that she's going to anoint Jesus' head. She's going to pour it out on him. It's hard to go to Simon's house, you know. She knows the stairs that are going to greet her. She knows the people that are going to look at her. She knows those that are going to look at her and it's going to be like a knife going through her heart. But she has to see the master again. 
She has to see him one more time. And so she makes her way and as she approaches the house, she's rather sheepish, hoping that people wouldn't stare, wouldn't recognize, wouldn't know and notice her. And she notices Jesus reclining at the table. And in those days, a person would recline at the table. Their feet would be spread out towards the wall and he would be eating with his right hand and it would, he'd be resting on some pillows. And she goes up with the anointing oil, with the perfume, ready to anoint him. I want you to read with me on the screen Matthew chapter 21, 31 to 32. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders in Jerusalem when he says this. I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. Now remember who he's speaking to. He's speaking to religious people, good people. Moral people. But you know, there's such a thing as religious sin. There's such a thing as being a whited sepulcher. Maybe Simon never visited the red light district of his community. But maybe he had a pornographic mind. Maybe Simon was meticulous with his giving and his offerings, but he lacked grace and forgiveness for those who could not and did not. Maybe it was the most subtle of all sins that creeped into his heart, the sin that God resists, pride. What Jesus says, for John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. This woman was broken. She knew. She knew. She was a sinner. Understanding our debt understanding what we owe. In verses 40 to 42, Jesus is going to speak, but I want to give you the context of that before we get there. In the text it says this, that the woman came, and all of a sudden she came to the feet of Jesus. And I believe she intended to anoint his head, but she never did. Because she looked at his feet, and they were dark with dirt. The custom in those days was for a host to wash the feet of his guest. They would have the water there. The lowest person in the house would do it, the servant, and they would wash and clean his feet. It was muddy, it was dirty, those dusty roads. It was like a barnyard, animals walking through the street, manure all over. And so it was just a courtesy. And she looked at his feet she recognized and sensed in that room that Jesus was the guest, but somehow 
there was a low grade of hostility there towards them, towards him. And then she saw Jesus and she remembered what he did for her. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you knew you needed forgiveness and you came into the church and hot tears rolled down your cheeks as you just asked God for mercy and he lifted the burden of sin that's where she was she came and she began to weep and as she weeped she fell at the feet of Jesus and the tears began to stain his dirt dirty feet and she just began to take what she had, her hair. She undid her hair. And then that was uncommon in those days. It was inappropriate for a woman to do that. A, a husband could divorce his wife if she undid her hair in public. But she just was so taken up with what Jesus had done for her and the forgiveness then in a moment she let her hair down. She said, I have to wipe his feet. And she just began to wipe his feet with her hair. As she wept, as she remembered what God had done for her. Now, there's Simon looking. Doesn't he know who she is? This man's no prophet, I tell you. Now, he didn't say that out loud. He said that in his heart. If he were a prophet, he would know the heart of this woman. He would know that she is a sinner. I'm sure he's not a man of God. The scripture says he thought to himself. Jesus, who knows the hearts of all men. Look at the biblical text. It's absolutely amazing what the scripture says. He's thinking in his heart, and in verse 40, Jesus answered him. Jesus answered him. Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Now, it wasn't unusual for teachers to tell riddles at a dinner or to tell stories and, and look for people to understand that story or parable. And so here Jesus tells the story of two debtors. Uh, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. He said, two men owed money, a certain money lent to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii. That's about a year and a half worth of wages. Maybe a little bit uh, right around that. Then Someone owned 50. That's 10 times less. You know, just uh, maybe a couple of months wages. They had no way of paying it. But the debtor forgave it. Remember, it always costs the debtor to forgive. It always cost the person to relieve and release the debt. And Jesus told this parable, and he said, both were forgiven. Which one loves more? Now, watch Simon's response. It, you get this sharp edge to it. Simon replied, verse 43, 
I suppose the one who canceled uh, the larger debt, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt, the realization of our debt. See, right there, that's right, Jesus said, Simon no longer recognized how much he owed God. He thought, oh, it's not that much. He's not like the Apostle Paul who says, I'm the worst of sinners. He's not like St. Francis who says, I'm the most wretched of men. He's lost his ability to recognize how deep, how dark his sin is. He's lost the ability to recognize that he deserves hell. That's the great temptation that you and I have who serve in church for years and years and years. We forget what God brought us out of. We forget where God brought us from. We forget where we could have been. And like the religious leaders in Jesus' time, we lose that sense of, God, I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. In Romans 3.23 it says, For everyone has sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. We cannot measure ourselves by ourselves. You can't look at your brother. You can't look at your sister. You can't look at someone out and say, You know, I'm much better than them. No, we all stand on the same footing, the blood of Christ, what he did on Calvary. None of us is accepted on the basis of what we've done or what we haven't done or what we do do. It's one thing alone, the blood of Christ. And as soon as we lose amazement at a grace of God, we're no longer walking in the light of amazing grace. We could sing it, but unless we feel it, unless we live it, unless it's a part of us, we're becoming respectable sinners, thinking ourselves righteous and good and deserving of all that God has. No, we won't articulate it. We won't say it, but that's the way we live. We're constantly trying to use the currency of good works. And that currency of good works has no value in heaven's economy. Oh, you know, God, I work and all of those people lie there and they'll steal. I don't do that. I'm better. Oh, oh, oh God, I haven't committed adultery on my spouse and I've been faithful to him. Look at those people running around. I'm better than now. Oh God, you should see the way they act and what they do. I'm much better than them. And we begin to build ourselves up so that we say, God, you accept me on the basis of what I've done, what I've not done, who I am. As soon as we do that, pride has put its tentacles around us. And we have lost the awe of amazing grace. And like the Pharisees whom Jesus rebuked and reproved and corrected, we've joined their club. I have to sense 
my need. How do I know? How do I know if I really understand the grace of God? It's simple. Gratitude expressed for a debt paid. It always comes out that way. Uh, Verses 44 to 47. Jesus, now watch what happens. He turns towards the woman and he speaks to Simon. He turns towards the woman and speaks to Simon. He turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You've neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, Her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. What Jesus was saying at this point is when a person understands their sins and God's forgiveness, they cannot help but express love to God. They cannot help but express love in their service, love in their commitment, love in their worship and their devotion to God. If you really understand and you really comprehend and it's something that's more than just theory to you, it's reality to you and you realize what God has wiped away and what he's cleansed and what he's forgiven, it's going to come out In gratitude, it's going to come out in the way you love. If you're always griping and always complaining and always murmuring and always looking down on others and always thinking about other people's sins, you don't have a clue what God has done for you. But when you understand, I was a sinner and he wiped it away. I deserved hell, but he's chosen me for heaven. And no matter how many years you've walked with God, you don't lose that. You don't lose that awe, that incredible awe that says, God, you have saved me, and I'm the worst of the worst, but your blood has washed me clean, and you want to express that gratitude by how you live and what you do. That's living in the light of amazing grace. I, I, I can imagine the house when Jesus said this. I mean, tension could be felt. You could cut it with a knife. And Jesus says to this woman, you go in peace. She's huddled in a ball at his feet, weeping and crying and bathing his feet with her tears and and washing them with his hair and then pouring the perfume on. And then Jesus says, you are forgiven. Go in peace. I doubt... I doubt very much that she would be accepted next week in synagogue service, especially if Simon were there. But I know one thing. She was accepted there. 
And that's what really matters. Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from Pastor Ed's teaching through the Gospel of Luke. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and select today's date from the Building in Faith media player. Again, that's buildinginfaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to buildinginfaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There, you'll find all the options to share. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Word of God, right here on Building in Faith. Your Word restores.